One is a classic comedy staple, the other it's gender-bent modernization. Ghostbusters. They remade it. Hi, I'm your host, Jacob. And I'm your host, Stuart. And this is uh, episode three of They Remade It. Episode three, we're just chugging along now. Yeah, starring starring the Ghostbusters themselves. Hooray! Real Ghostbusters. Yeah, the, not the cartoon. No, no, not us. We're not the, the cartoon show from 1986. We kind of, it is kind of weird to think we are in a way Ghostbusters with how many old movies we're having to go back over. Whoa! <laughs> or the Ghostbusters no of film. No one remembers the Ghostbusters. No, no, we're the... Resurrect them. <laughs> Tracy the Gorilla? Everyone forgot about him. <laughs> I, I definitely don't know who that is. <laughs> we'll gonna... talk about it later. Okay. This isn't this isn't an animation historian podcast. Yeah. So uh... I'm sure I'm sure that might come about someday. But <laughs> Maybe. I don't but I don't know enough about it, so you'll have to find someone else. <laughs> so what what, what do you what have you been watching these past weeks? Uh I actually have watched a couple more things. Oh, I watched yeah. um uh, Quiet Place, you know John Krasinski's movie. Yeah, really good. I've I I have heard. It's like I, I keep thinking back over it. It's like it's really good, but God, there's a lot of plot holes in it. <laughs> without wishing, like without wishing to spoil a lot. The whole point of it is that there are these you know alien monsters. They hunt down people who make any noise. But there's so many moments in the film where characters have to like get away and try to lure them away, but they never once like throw a noisemaker of any kind. Like these characters have been around. For over a year dealing with this tragedy, and they don't have any kind of like huh. throwable thing to get the creatures away from them. Like they don't like they, at one point there is like an egg timer that they use to mm. lure one away, but they only ever use that once. I'm wondering if that's more, uh, a plot hole or more uh, oversight. I guess, yeah, I, I guess oversight would probably be it. But it's, it's still it's just it's so omnipresent throughout it like there's all this whole thing where they're like oh we have to soundproof this room or we have to go be near this waterfall that kind of drowns out our voices which another thing why don't they just live near a waterfall they live out on this big open field farm where any noise is going to attract anything but for miles around and hmm. so it's just i just like that's not to say this is in any way a bad movie this is an incredibly good movie and it's really freaky and really like it very much takes advantage of the whole jump scaring with sudden noises thing mm -hmm. which, which you know obviously it's gonna with its you know with its plot and everything but it's i think it's a great movie you know go i mean go see it john, john krasinski i didn't really expect him to make something like that but then again i've been surprised like with get out mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah, yeah that's, still, still gotta go that's the newest one i've watched i also rewatched uh baby driver because i just i love that movie <laughs> it's that's probably my favorite movie the last like five years or longer it's just so well made mm. but yeah. nice. anything for you any new series any new or you know any re any rewatching of old things uh actually yeah not really rewatching, but uh i re i recently went through a phase i was re not rewatching. i was catching up on mm -hmm. a lot of uh studio ghibli stuff that i had not Oh, yeah. Seen, I, 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 I would say I'd seen about half of the library and still had half of it to go through, and so I did that. Movies like uh, Castle in the Sky from Up on Poppy Hill, Porco Rosso that I hadn't seen and I was putting off watching. Mm -hmm. I, I actually went through. Yeah, 
like I've been I've really been wanting to do it because I'm realizing more and more I've barely seen like any of them. I haven't mm. even seen Princess Mononoke. Mm. Or, that's or that's great. contested as the best one. Exactly. Like I, my personal favorite's Howl's Moving Castle, but again, I haven't seen that's the a, other one, so I can't really make a great right. comparison. Howl's Moving Castle is like a a flip flop for a lot of uh, Studio Ghibli fans. You either yeah. love it or you hate it. The big two are Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke. Yeah. You, you like one over the other, but they're both fantastic. Oh yeah, I love. Um, I, de- I definitely still love uh, Spirited Away, mm-hmm. and then but yeah, I've really been meaning to see that. That uh, was it. Por- 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 Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso. That was it. That, the, pig, the pig pilot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like mostly because I just I I've always wanted to see because I just know the line I'd rather be a pig than a fascist. And I yeah, like, I just love that line. <laughs> it's a great line. Yeah, it's like that and like uh, is Grave, Grave of the Fireflies. That's one. Yes, it is. I st- I still need 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 to see so many of those films, and just I've just always for a long time it's like yeah I'm a huge Studio Ghibli fan. Meanwhile, I've seen maybe four. <laughs> They're not that hard to go, not I hard mean, to no, find. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm sure there's huge collections. Just gotta watch them. And as with me, I watch them dubbed. I don't, I don't do the original because yeah. us- because I I like watching movies and TV shows, but I have a lot of other stuff I usually do too. Yeah. So I don't really have time to read subtitles, and that may sound like a cop out, and it does to some people, but I mean, not really. Uh, I am a dub fan. I don't find it dis I don't find it disrespectful in any way. There's oh, plenty yeah. of movies that get dubbed over movies and TV shows that get dubbed overseas just to make it easier watching. Plus, there is just such a kind of there's a weird charm to Studio Ghibli movies being dubbed. Like it has this kind of all their movies, even the violent ones, seem to have this kind of childlike glee to them. Like even with the dubbed over ones, it kind of seems like almost a child's production of it. Where it's just like right. okay, it's a little stilted, but it feels fun. <laughs> Right, like, and, and I say that I say that before I've seen Princess Mononoke, where I know for a fact it is violent as fuck. <laughs> That's actually one of my favorite parts because I like I like knowing voice actors and going through. Yeah. So I'll watch one I haven't seen or heard any, or I've heard about it, but I haven't like read about it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Palm Poco, which is the one with the the Tanukis. Yeah, and um, it starts up and the. Na- it, the narrator is Maurice LaMarche. I'm immediately like, that's Maurice LaMarche. He's the narrator. <laughs> and it's just great. Yeah. And then fucking Christian Fantastic. Bale and Howl's Moving Castle with the first case of the Batman voice. Yeah. Like when he's just as the, like, Howl's as the monster. And all of a sudden yeah. I heard that. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> that's where that came from. <laughs> uh, uh, beside, besides those, I also, uh, I finally got around to watching Gilbert. The oh, nice. Gilbert Gottfried documentary. Nice. Which nice. was very nice. Very touching. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, and of, all people, I, I, of all people, I would assume you'd love that the most. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. It wasn't as... It was really touching to see this oh, yeah. life and to see the history and see his sisters and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it didn't take me by surprise at any real point. I knew mm-hmm. a lot about this just from listening to his podcast yeah. and stuff. Uh, just because various people mention it or talk about it. But it, it's still really... It's a really great film. People should go out and watch that. Nice. I'll mm-hmm. probably go see it. I've never really known much about the guy, so mm-hmm. I should go do that. All right. Without well, with yeah. with that out of the way, <laughs> with, with that out, with our with our personal lives out of the way as usual, it's time to delve into the matter at hand. Good old Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters comedy, yay! Comedy our fir- movies. Our first comedy. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so you want me to you want me to just sort of go through the motions with him real quick? Yeah, going through like you know like Covers. basic basic plot, I guess. Right. Because like it's not. As heavy and everything as Scarface and Blade, Blade Runner, Runner. Yeah. so we don't. So it's a pretty general plot synopsis for both. Yeah, we'll so. just sort of go go into it. Yeah. So for Ghostbusters 1984, 
uh, basically Bill Murray's character, Peter Venkman, Dan Aykroyd, Raymond Stantz, and Harold Ramis's character, Egon Spengler, they're all scientists at to varying degrees within the university. And, uh, An unspecified university, by the way. Unspecified, yes. It's actually Columbia University, which they actually kind of reference in the yeah. newer one. But, yeah, you know, that's for that's later. Just, yeah, <laughs> that's where it was filmed. Yeah, exactly. They got all the support to do that, but they couldn't say the name. Right. Because <laughs> they're like, we don't need this association. <laughs> but uh, after, after a spectral event that occurs at the library downtown... Uh, Dan Aykroyd pulls Bill Murray. Sorry, I, I refer to them by actor names a lot. It's, it's I think everyone's going to refer to them by their uh, actor right. names. But with the exception of maybe Egon. I think I've, I've consistently he's seen... more of a producer slash director than an actor. But, exactly. But he still appears in stuff, so... Exactly. So it's like... You know, anyway. But Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. It's like, <laughs> right. Come on, that's easy. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he pulls him into this investigation where they're going down to the library to study spectral events. They... Mm -hmm encounter a ghost and flee the scene they one does, <laughs> completely un unprepared they're just like hey there's a ghost let's touch it what do we do <laughs> go talk to it what? so stop that <laughs> <laughs> so so that 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 basically takes place and afterwards they uh are kicked out of the university they are yeah <laughs> for you know because why the fuck not right they are kicked out of the university no one really well, the students do, according to Bill Murray, but no one really cares for them being there, so they're thrown out, and they have to find their own facility to undergo operations, and especially now that they've seen this ghost. Yep. They've got the Jones for ghosting, <laughs> whatever that entails. The Not even the characters know yet. Jones uh, for a ghosting. Yeah. <laughs> so they, <laughs> because Dan Aykroyd freaks out about it, they end up purchasing an abandoned firehouse to yep. use as their base of operations. Which kind of becomes the iconic image of you know, the entire movie, just the with the big Ghostbusters logo outside of it, right. them barreling out in the car. Oh, I like that first logo. I don't remember that. I've seen this movie countless times, but I didn't remember, like, oh, that's really underwhelming sign, guy, because yeah. they're just putting up the plain text Ghostbusters on there before the sign gets installed. Yeah, exactly. I, I, <laughs> I, I forgot I was like, about huh, that. It's kind of cool. <laughs> but, yeah, so, meanwhile, Sigourney Weaver playing Dana Barrett and... Rick Moranis, playing Louis Tully, are at an apartment complex downtown. Mm -hmm. uh, Sigourney Weaver's in her apartment. She sees this commercial for the Ghostbusters and flicks it off. That's sort of a nice world-building aspect. Yeah. You can see different things parallel to one another. Mm -hmm. But uh, eggs start cooking themselves on her counter, and there's a dog in her fridge. Yeah. So it's there's going... an entire new dimension in her fridge with the dog there. It's going all Zool. Zool. So, yeah. Voiced by Ivan Reitman. Director. Huh. That's his voice. Oh, didn't know that. So, uh, so she freaks out and decides to seek help from the ghost men. Mm. Them ghost busting people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she goes downtown and Bill Murray is the one that greets her. Well, uh, Janine Melnitz, their secretary, played by Annie Potts, is there. Yes, but Annie she gets, Potts is a gem. <laughs> she gets overridden by Bill Murray that well, decides yeah. to find out, they, uh, find out more about this case uh, because he is a womanizer. Yeah. Uh, so they it's have a, an... It's a Bill Murray character. Just kind of imagine it like that and you'll you'll get the gist. Right. If you've ever seen a Bill Murray character, then that's it. If you haven't seen a Bill Murray character, see this movie. You'll know what a Bill Murray character is. <laughs> see any movie with Bill Murray in it. Yeah. This one seems like he is very much at his Murrayist. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a Bill Murray movie. This is a Bill Murray movie. With yeah. other people in the background. <laughs> it's Bill Murray, the Ghostbuster. <laughs> so uh, they, they interview her and... 
after split uh, after the other two, Ramus and Ackroyd, split off to do research, Bill Murray accompanies her to her apartment to do some investigating. Yep. Though he's really just half-assing it around, playing around as he does. Just kind of trying to seem impressive. Right. Nothing is... He doesn't see anything there. Yeah. And, and he... just kind of... Basically just kind of... Not, he doesn't really bail. He kind of gets kicked out, but at the same time, he, while he trying to tries to goad her into a date. Like, yeah, he'll he be f- thinking about me once I'm gone. He forces his way out the door. Yeah. So, so now yeah. he's so now he's out there. Yeah. So, uh, we've at least established, you know, the situation of oh, there's a ghost. Now there's not a ghost. Whatever. Right. Shortly after, their careers actually take off. Yes. Because the... of the infamous hotel. Yep. With the introduction of good old Slimer. Good old Slimer. Who's never actually referred to as Slimer until the real Ghostbusters show, is that right? The cartoon, yes. And he's also called Slimer. He's also credited in Ghostbusters 2 in the credits. In the credits, yes. That's kind of besides the point. That's a a case of which came first. Exactly. Real Ghostbusters came first. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, they're in the hotel deciding to try out their packs. Mm -hmm. Uh because there's this ghost flying around on the 12th floor. Uh, it is Slimer. They chase him around. They end up locking themselves in the ballroom to take good, uh, quick work of him, and they eventually catch him, and yeah. that launches the media into a frenzy. And this is the, you know, I guess I should say, this is the first introduction of, like, the whole proton pack thing, where they're using, they, yes, they're they, using lasers to catch ghosts, basically. Forget that. They actually have the nuclear accelerators on their backs now. Yep. They, they have a way to contain these ghosts. Yeah, they actually, like, put them in these little, like, mousetraps and shit. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, they're not mousetrap, but whatever. I call it, I've always called it a mousetrap, because it right. looks like one. It's like a vacuum tube. Yeah. So, but, yeah, uh, media goes crazy. Media goes crazy. Introduction of Larry King, yep. Casey Kasem on the radio, a bunch of media personalities <laughs> and just, cameos. It's just cameo after cameo. This is very much, I mean, I feel like, it's a very SNL movie and a very big comedy like that. It's going to have so many references and cameos like right. that. Though, I mean, on the part of Larry King and, yeah. and Casey Kasem, they're not SNL guys. Well, no, they're just, but, like, they're still big, but they're big name like, people. I guess they're able to pull it possibly because it is a, oh, yeah. a big comedy with a bunch of big name stars in it. So yeah, that's, probably, that's probably where that comes from. Yeah. So, the... Uh, Good old montage time after that with them. Montage, which I love... I'll talk about it later. This is not the time for that. Uh, this it's is synopsis quite, it's time. It's not quite push it to the limit level, but it's pretty right. good. <laughs> right. But anyways, this is synopsis time. I'm not going to yeah. talk about that yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, So, um, they go through the montage, and after immediately afterwards, uh, Ernie Hudson shows up mm-hmm. playing Winston Zedmore yep. uh, to apply for a job at the facility. And after a quick interview with uh, Janine, he's instantly hired by Ray. Yeah, because they're basically understaffed with all this other crap. Where they're storing ghosts up, and they're like, "Yeah, we right. need help. Thank you." He's instantly taken in and shown around. Yep. Uh, so a little while after, you know, just as this they, happens, right? There is a setup with uh, wait, what? Sorry, what occurs first? Is it uh, is it Peter meeting uh Dana again outside the orchestra hall, or is this Walter Peck? Which comes first? Uh, I, I think don't Walter Walter Peck I think shows up first. You think he shows up first? I think. Don't quote me on that though. But actually, book... I think that I think Bill I think Bill meets Dana. Yeah, these kind of, these because... scenes are kind of interchangeable. It's mostly just kind of more fleshing out characters or right. the introduction of Walter Peck with the EPA. Well, yeah. Pete. Well, Peter meets Dana and goads her into going out on a date. Especially now that he's this big media personality that yeah. also they <laughs> they play around with that a lot. So he now has a date set up. Yeah. Uh, 
afterwards, uh, Walter Peck, played by William Atherton, of mm-hmm. the EPA shows up, the Environmental Protection Agency. You never expect that to be the bad guy, but this is the 80s, anything goes. Right. <laughs> and he tries to he tries to get them to show him around, but with no legal ability to do so, they force him out. Well, Peter forces him out. Pretty much. Right. Just after kind of like making fun of him a bit, and as, as, as he's wont to do. Mm-hmm. And then he goes off on his way. Right. So, cut to the party. Yes, the party. Well, the party that Sigourney Weaver, Dana, Dana. is not... I'm trying yeah. to get better. That Dana is not at. She yeah. goes to her apartment and... You know, Rick Moranis. <laughs> Lewis, Lewis is out in the hall. He's like, oh, come in. Well, I have a date tonight. Oh, you can bring him. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. So, so she anyway, goes... <laughs> established, you know, cock block, cock block notice. Anyway. So she goes into her apartment waiting around for Peter to show up. Yep. And is... Grabbed by is what I what I believe I I couldn't find reference to it because I, I don't think I looked very hard I just assumed it was Frank Oz puppetry because most everything is Frank Oz puppetry yeah but like it's These very arms much, yeah he, she sits down in this armchair and then all of a sudden a bunch of arms pop out and just start groping her up arms like there is the a armchair. couple there is like one like hand in particular it is straight up cop on a feel it's like, yeah okay there and then one over her arm and then it shoots her forward into the refrigerator which now has the other dimension open again. Right. And was then, it the refrigerator? I thought it was, it was, it was I thought the, it was just another room this time. I think it may it's either I think it shot into the kitchen. I think it the door yeah. of the kitchen closed after she went in, but the the refrigerator was There's definitely one, open. But yeah, it's yeah. there. Yeah. Um so that's what happens. So, so she's absorbed by Zool. Yes. <laughs> by Zool the dog in there. And at the same time another one gets out. At Lewis's party I love <laughs> Lewis. Yeah. God damn. He's such a gem. I just love Rick Moranis, man. Yeah. But uh, he's going around introducing everyone to one another and having a ball with the party. Meanwhile, the other dog. Uh, yep. Vince Glortho. Vince Glortho. Like, something like that. Glortho. Miscellaneous. I don't remember his name. We never miscellaneous actually, dog. He never actually says his name quite as dramatically as Zool. Zool. Yeah. yeah. He, he says it in casual conversation. Yeah. They're two very different dogs. Anyways, uh, he gets chased out of the out of the apartment complex and downtown to Into, like, like a gazebo. There's like a gazebo in Central Park or something. Yeah, and like absorbs him there and takes over his mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and we should I guess I should say these dogs both are first seen like on the top of the apartment building where um, Lewis and Anne. What was her name again? Dana. Dana. Why did I think Dana? Anne? It wasn't Annie wrong Potts? Her. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on top of there, there's like this whole like, what looks to be these statues of dogs and these kind of like, you know, sort of art deco looking crap, but it turns out, you know, oh, there's actually real life dogs in there and they pop out. That's where they come from. We should right. say they weren't just like deciding, Hey, let's fuck with these people. Right. <laughs> so yeah. simultaneously happening, yeah. Peter shows up at Dana's apartment and she is possessed looking for the key master because she is the gatekeeper. Yeah. And he goes in there attempting to calm her down, find out what's going on. He notices the slime on the doors and the walls. Yep, and he's all casual about like, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get Dana to come out, she starts levitating and throwing a fit. Yep. Meanwhile, at the Ghostbusters headquarters, uh, (laughs) Lewis has been arrested after a, a spree on the town being possessed by this dog. Yeah. So the police bring him to Ghostbusters headquarters and they start analyzing his mind to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> after a brief conversation, they find out that these two characters are doing this. Yeah. Uh, being possessed and there's an oncoming of Gozer. 
the, so like the Gozerian, Sumerian yes. god or something? Yes, Sumerian. Sumerian. Yeah, this goes Not Babylonian, Not Sumerian. Specifically Sumerian. <laughs> so they start going, they, they find out about that and they're going to do more research on it when mm -hmm. the EPA actually does show up. Yep, and they come out, they go in and they're like, oh, these guys are releasing toxic gas and so people are thinking they see ghosts, but it's like, no, no, there's no. Yeah, there's, and they, they actually have... Uh, a warrant for entry this time yep. so they're able to go in there uh they they order the sh forceful shutdown of the facility which and... has the storage unit of all the ghosts right and then all of a sudden boom, <laughs> everything explodes which is the worst possible thing to unleash especially when this this twinkie massive twinkie sized yeah like ghost they... phenomena is about to <laughs> is about to occur yeah this like 300 pound twinkie situation right so uh and all of a sudden, like, just all this build-up and just ghosts just are let loose on the city and pandemonium ensues. You know? Right. Like, well, we should we should mention that before the actual, the big-name pandemonium starts, yeah. the Ghostbusters are all arrested. Yeah, they're arrested by the, like... <laughs> they're, uh, they're actually put into jail and they're studying, they're studying, like, blueprints. That's where we get the whole Gozer, yeah, the Sumerian, really, the bring-back of the Sumerian god, and they start this referencing guy, like, this. Like this architect Evo Shandor or something. Yeah. Like, that's exactly like, his name. Oh yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> I only remember that because of the Ghostbusters video game where they right. reference his name a lot. <laughs> but uh Terrible game, formatting right? <laughs> the building for this cult. So yeah. they are brought before the mayor mm -hmm. and various other officials who are all saying, like, okay, we're gonna give you a chance to go through and actually accomplish this goal. Yeah. Because regardless of what Walter Peck is saying, there are people seeing things. You're you're already in custody, so your life is your not life, but your freedom is sort of on the line here. It's yeah. like whether whether you're right or you're wrong. So what's the harm in letting them go have some fun? So yeah, they kind of so yeah they get kind of approval by the mayor. They go off on their thing, but then at the same time, roughly around the same time, um, Dana and Lewis eventually meet up and like right. Lewis is all like I'm the key master and I'm and Dame is all I'm the the gatekeeper and then you know as <clears throat> you know key meets gate you should, yeah, I should yeah, say yeah. yes they have sex on the altar in front of the temple I didn't know that no that's like that's literally it that's I, how so <laughs> I, uh I didn't know that. <laughs> when I first saw that I was like oh that's interesting that I saw it years later I was like oh <laughs> no <laughs> So they're released from custody, and so Venkman, Venkman, Egon, Ray, and Winston make their way to the apartment complex and start scaling the building from from the inside, not the outside. Yeah. They start climbing up the stairs in the building. Yes, <laughs> a little less dramatic. <laughs> and then they eventually, you know, make their way to the temple and are greeted by, you know, Gozer it, itself. I guess I should say because yes. it's it's kind of meant to just be formless. Those are itself and yeah. Dana and Lewis, who are now the actual dogs, yep. trapped inside these the shells of these dogs, Zool and Gibi Gortho. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and Rumpelstiltskin. Yes, all my favorite dogs are there. Yes, <laughs> so they they uh, they confront Gozer, who attempts to kill them yep. in a very humorous scene. Yes, uh, so they start firing. And it turns out they cannot kill the they cannot kill this gozer. He disappears, and they think they've won, but they start hearing its voice. Mm. And He's it's all like, like, "Choose your destructor." And Ray cannot clear his mind, and even though Venkman pleads everyone to. 
and the it, the mascot for the Stay Puff Stay Puffed brand of marshmallows comes to destroy which is like, everyone. Which is like a combination of the Michelin Man and the Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, if the best way to put it. And like all of a sudden, just giant marshmallow man just starts coming towards the building. He's wreaking havoc on the city. So. They have to destroy this being. So something referenced earlier in the movie is that they are not supposed to cross the streams or else There's some every molecule in your body will explode rapidly and the entire universe will self-destruct upon itself or something to that degree. It's something like overly dramatic to the right. point of like, what? <laughs> exactly. Something really hazardous and dangerous that'll like delete all life as we know it. Right. So they decide to do that. And they point and... at the open <laughs> temple to try and like sever the link between the real world and whatever spirit realm they're working with. Yes. And they succeed. Yay! Everything is closed That's down. Pretty, it, it pretty much just goes down pretty quick at the end. Yeah, like... Stay Puft Marshmallow Man explodes. They free Dana, after a brief scene thinking that they're gone forever, they free Dana and Lewis from their shells. Yep. And they walk out into a cheering crowd as the Ghostbusters theme plays. And then credits roll. Yep. And that's... A little bit that. <laughs> <laughs> that is Ghostbusters 1984. Oh, man. <laughs> then... Now for <laughs> Ghostbusters 2016. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. So, same basic setup, but a slightly different. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. This is this is very much in the realm of the same themes kind of remake, but it's not a sequel and it's not a hard remake. Right. It's like it's the same basic like universe to to play around with, but it's yes. not the same universe that the original ones happened in. I think people have tried to pose a theory that it happened that they happened in the same universe and it's actually a sequel, but I think that's stupid. I do too. So yeah. But anyway, because they, we'll get into that. Yeah. So Erin Gilbert, played by Kristen Wiig, is an mm. aspiring professor. Well, she has worked for a little while, but she's aspiring tenure. Yeah. At this university, which actually is established to be Columbia. Right. Yeah. Until in, she. In is it Columbia? I think yeah, it's a different did, they, university, and then the one that Melissa McCarthy and. No, no, no. It's it's definitely because the one that Melissa McCarthy and everyone they're they're in like some community. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, but it's yeah. She's anyway. attempting for tenure at Columbia University, and. In the process, gets approached. We should say the movie opens with this other, kind of similar fashion to the original. It's the uh, same thing as the library, but it takes place in a, a manner, in like some historical manner where a tour was taking place, and a ghost appears and fucks with the tour guide, <laughs> Zach Woods, and the owner of said, well, I guess the curator or something, like yes, of the played, property, played by Ed Begley Jr. Yeah. Um, he approaches. Um, what was her name again? The character's name. Aaron. Aaron Gilbert. Aaron Gilbert. There we go. She. He approaches Aaron Gilbert and being like, "Hey, uh, I read your book." And she's like, "What book?" And he's like, "Uh, this book you wrote about ghosts." And he's like, "And she's like, crap! I thought those were gone." It's like, no, it's on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, it's everywhere online because the per as she finds out later, <laughs> uh, in her office, her co-writer on the book, Abby Yates, posted it. Played by Melissa McCarthy. Yes, because uh, because she needs additional revenue. So, off Aaron goes to this community college to confront her about this. Uh, and just and and then we also in the process are introduced to Kate McKinnon's character, Jill Holtzman, who Jill Holtzman. is working as an assistant. Her well, not really an assistant. It's like a kind of partner. Yeah, they're like partners because she knows her stuff too. Yeah, it's like this her very eccentric partner, and right. um, Aaron goes up to her and is like, "Hey." I need to take this book down because I can't risk this dealing with my tenure. And she's like, uh, no. And yeah. you're telling me you've had someone approach you being like, hey, there's a ghost here. I will take it down. Fine, I'll take it down if you let me go with you and actually study this. 
And so that's pretty much the... Off to the manor they that's go. That's the initial That's the initial inciting. And so they go off to the manor and, you know, are doing the basic Ghostbusters thing, searching for ghosts. And there's a brief interchange outside where it's like, oh, the person who interacted with her might have been a ghost. But then he comes back up and is like, oh, no, I was talking about... Right. I was referencing the father of this guy. This is his son. Right. Who has the... Ed Mulgrave, junior, which is actually a funny joke. But, yeah, exactly. Um, so... But yeah, that's kind of a somewhat pointless scene. So the <laughs> ghost approaches them in this manner and... Barfs on Aaron. Barfs on Aaron and they freak out and run outside, but they're and, excited because they saw a ghost and... Wee yippee aha for a little while until it turns out that, that this is being filmed by Abby by Abby and then it gets <laughs> online and then Aaron's or it wasn't filmed by Abby it was filmed by Jillian but by Jillian. presumably Abby must have posted it right yeah and then um and then Aaron's boss finds out and is like like finds the video and is like yeah you're crazy leave and so she gets fired <laughs> this looks bad on us yeah so she gets fired and goes back to you know. The community college's um, the community lab, college. and she's like, okay, so I guess I'm stuck here now, and she's, Abby's like, that's alright, we have equipment, and then they're thrown out of the facility, because so after like, approaching they, for some funding, the, they, they, the they realize they didn't know that they were still here. The dean's like, we thought your department was gone, <laughs> so he throws them out. They steal some equipment, and they go off yes. to find a new place, and they, first to go to, like, the iconic, you know, the... The Ghostbusters fire... Fire, like, firehouse. The, fu the firehouse, you're like, oh, they're gonna get in the firehouse, and then it's like, no, that's too expensive. Yeah, it, kinda, it has a very, like, of the times thing. It's like, oh, shit, yeah, rent in New York is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so they end up moving above a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, above the wonton store. <laughs> yeah, and so they get all set up there. They get, yeah, they get all their stuff set up there. Uh, they have interviews for... Well, interview for a, for a secretary with, played by Chris Hemsworth, who uh, who kind of defies logic, defies like all logic of how dumb he is. Like, it got to a point where I was like, "All right, this is just, yeah. this is just weird." The fact that the fact that he is dumb was not funny, but some of the results of it I thought yeah. were funny. Yeah. So um, they hire him because mainly in part because he was the only candidate. Not to mention the fact that Aaron has a humongous Crush. attraction towards him yep meanwhile <laughs> rowan north played by neil casey yeah. is rumble rum rumbling around new york city he's the one who mumbling to himself and making creepy comments yeah like he and, had placed this device at the like the starting location that had kind of brought this ghost out which he established later but, right you know. And he he he's sort of talking to uh, Leslie Jones's character Patty Tolan in the subway, like talking rhetoric about crazy things to come. And she's like, "Get out of here!" Yeah. And then he goes down the tracks, and, and she Leslie chased... follows him, and right. it's like all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, what's going on on here?" And then there's you find this device, it explodes. All of a sudden, a ghost appears. This like ghost covered in electricity, and Patty runs the fuck away. Right. And then makes her way, you know, eventually. To the Ghostbusters. Was there a scene in between there? Or is it basically I don't just, believe so. I think there's a bit of, like, back and forth, like, of them playing around in the lab. But then all of right. a sudden it's like Patty's there. And it's like, oh, what's up? Right. 
Uh, she's like, you guys, the Ghostbusters, and she take uh, after explaining her case to them. Yep. She takes them to the subway with them lugging their equipment around. They don't have proton packs, not mm-hmm. yet. No. They have it on these carts. They do. That they, they have, have they have like around. a prototype version where a they pro- kind of have, have head, on a... a neck strap and everything. But it's not it's not a proton pack. It's, yeah, like, it's like on a it cart has to be wired to the cart and then attached to the person with the gun. Anyways, they go down. They find the results of this you know little device and they're like, oh, this is really impressive. What is this? And all of a sudden, ghost appears and they zap the shit out of it or yep. at least attempt to and before having to run away from the oncoming train right subway car slams into it and gets goo everywhere yeah and then all of a sudden the ghost kind of gets trapped on the train on the last yeah which on the is last a little car. strange but... little little inconsistent oh well <laughs> so yeah that that happens they establish oh hey we've got another ghost encounter we've got to work on our equipment and patty's like hey i'm good with historical locations in new york let I know out. these. I know this town, which I kind of like the so, the, the subversion. Like when you see the trailer for it, it's like, oh, she thinks like we think, oh, she's gonna be like a, she's a you know this black lady of the street sort of shit. It's like no, she's literally just a history nerd, right? Which <laughs> which is a lot better than the trailers made it out exactly. To me, but which we'll I get liked. into that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um. So after perfecting equipment, and getting actual proton packs, they start. Uh, they go to the rock show. Yes. The rock show, which uh, <laughs> Rowan is actually at. Yep. So it can be presumed that he's responsible as well because he's putting down these ley lines, as we'll learn. Yeah. Well, uh, well he's putting them on top of ley, like ley line concentration. Points. Right. They're devices on top of the ley lines. He's not yep. creating them. Anyways. And so they go in and... You know, they're searching around and stuff. Right. In this they're backstage. hired by they're hired by the man who's who like, owns the theater. I guess, the I guess. Manager he must run the theater. Yeah. Uh, and while this rock show is going on, they're in the catacombs, uh, like kind of backstage. the backstage, yeah. twisting halls, and they get chased by a possessed mannequin. Yep. Who well, turns kind of a funny scene with Patty being like she goes into a room full of mannequins and she's like, "Okay, room full of mannequins." She no, goes, thank no. you. And I was like, "Yes, that was actually really good." So, uh, after attempting to zap it, a horned it, demon comes out and flies towards the actual concert, so they and, have to, uh... And everyone think, in the concert thinks, oh, that's a really cool effect, but then it's like, no, this is a ghost! Right. So they have to, they have to run into the theater, and with all these people there, attempt to shoot it down, which... Yeah, which ends up working out after, with a bit of, in, like, comedic right. ensuing. Like, after various... On, on, you know, Patty and everything. Yeah, after various hijinks, they actually trap it and get it into the containment unit, similar to is, the Slimer escapade. And this gives them a lot more public face than I think even the Slimer escapade goes, because it's like, oh, they're doing it in front of a full Right, concert. there's a bunch of people watching it happen. Exactly. So, uh... And so they go back... So they capture it, and they're like, woohoo, we got one! And they go back, like you said, they go back to their, uh... Back to lab. No, not, well, the, the Chinese shop. Chinese shop. Yeah. Yes. And then they're... Fuck! <laughs> And then they're approached by the, uh, the well, we, we've seen him before, but he's approached by Bill Murray's, by Bill character, Murray's character, cameoing Dr. As, Martin Heiss. And like he's this like anti-ghost believer, and he's all he's like... He's debunk, official debunker. So he goes up there being like, hey, could you guys maybe chill with this? This is stupid. And he's all like... And like, and... You know, the Ghostbusters are all like, uh, we have an actual ghost, and Mil- Bill Murray, I'm just gonna call him Bill Murray because I don't care. Um... <laughs> He's all like, well, I'd love to see it. And they're like, eh, no. And Aaron's like, what? No, we gotta do it. We gotta show him We gotta show him. Show him. I'm face. sick of being ghost girl because of her like, past. Which a like, ghost girl, yeah, which like, is, is casually dropped in there. Yeah. So she frees it. It knocks Bill Murray out of the window. Yep. And after a brief police investigation... Which a whole scene we realize is like, oh, this was only slightly necessary. This is kind of a yeah. forgettable scene. 
like well, under... because you think there's going to be some police repercussions but then they're reprimanded by agents working for the mayor and they're taken yep. to the mayor's office the office of mayor bradley played by andy garcia yep so after talking to him a little bit it's like yeah we know these things exist these things have been around for a while uh, and you guys but need to chill the hell out because we don't need this yeah. as a public face and then this is like weirdly long interchange between aaron and uh damn it, what's her name again which one the Milsom Milsom McCarthy. Abby. Abby. Um, Aaron and Abby, where they're like this whole cat in a bag. Yeah, it's thing, it's it's which it's just drags on. Just like, like whatever, I'll get into that later. So basically, you are allowed to continue your work, but we are going to vehemently deny that you are Legit. in any way valid. Yes, yeah. you are crackpots, and we will go on every news station and report this. Yes. So that's mildly upsetting, but they do it anyways. So they kind of go on to their thing, and. Um, I forget at the hotel happens. at the, the hotel, hotel the hotel where the um well first after mapping they they start mapping they out, the ley oh, yeah, lines the after hear, yeah after hearing where these various cases are coming from they map out the ley lines and it points to the hotel yeah which is a... where they go and they find rowan working on this uh freeman unit at the bottom to free all these spirits into the world and everything right and after being like the classic go... portal in the sky sort of trope yeah so they're like, you're going to jail. And he's like, make me. And then he electrocutes himself. He is dead. Uh, he, he is dead. And they're like, okay, case closed. Uh, again, another scene as they're leaving where it's like, okay, uh, thanks for your thanks for all the good work. We're going to pretend that you, we're going to call you crackpots and, and we're, we're going to arrest fake you. arrest you. Uh, and we, we towed your vehicle, which is nice. Um, <laughs> and then they go back and Abby is then possessed by, by Rowan's, by Rowan's ghost, ghost and attacks uh she, Patty attacks Patty and and, and, um, and Jillian and she Jillian. starts destroying the equipment but after a brief tussle the ghost flies out of her body and inhabits the body of Kevin his and Chris Hemsworth of Chris Hemsworth fame <laughs> yes down on the sidewalk and he rides away on his motorbike meanwhile Aaron has Rowan's notebook and starts noticing these cryptic things. And like he was like how Rowan was planning to die and become the leader of all these ghosts. Yeah, this was part of his plan. So she goes. She goes off to the mayor, who is dining in this fine eating establishment with his sec, uh, his councilwoman. Yeah, and then it's like she and, she and Aaron's freaking out, being like, "Hey, we have to evacuate the city because there's going to be a bunch of shit going down." And Mayor's like, "No." And, and that's, then, it. that's it. So <laughs> it's just kind of that, that's it. That. So right. Kevin, possessed by Rowan, makes his way to the hotel, back to where the Freeman facility is, and frees ghosts and pandemonium. Ensues. It's pandemonium. Again. A bunch of scenes that we can probably go into later in terms of shot shots and their value, but it's just a yeah. bunch of Bustin makes me feel good around New York City. Yeah. While there's uh, a Macy's Day parade kind of reference to like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, like a right. bunch of ghost balloons. And then, so Rowan is still in the body of Kevin at the hotel, forcing the army. The to army, do was, a the National Guard, who's come out to like, yeah, they get, like they do a dancing, but you don't actually see that until the end credits, right? And then um, the Ghostbusters are you know they re they re meet up with Aaron and just head down to the hotel before mm-hmm. getting just surrounded by this army of like kind of old old timey ghosts. And it just kind of goes, you know, like they start using all their old, like their new equipment and everything that they yeah, established. Yeah, all the stuff that they they had created, which there it's was like, an alleyway scene that we skipped, but but it's like it's it's, it's whatever. Yeah, it's like and I guess I guess it establishes that ghosts can kind of be like destroyed in this and not just captured. 
Because, like, they have all these weapons and everything, and they're, like... Yeah, they're, like, like, trapping them and ripping them apart. They're, like, goofying like, all these guys right. and everything. It's, like, what? Which is an interesting take. Well, yeah, but I just wouldn't... So, they never really established it. it was right. Just kind of, but at the same time, I guess they kind of want to make their own new logic. Yeah. But anyway. So, they approach Kevin Rowan. <laughs> I'll yeah. start calling him that. <laughs> at the hotel, and after a brief uh, taunting them scene, he abandons Kevin's body and starts flying around. They're trying to destroy him. Uh yeah. And then he does the Gozer scene, pick your destroyer, and they don't really pick one. They, they it's it's more of a like, who do you want to be destroyed by? And Leslie Jones, Jones's character, Patty. Like, I keep forgetting Patty. her name. She's and like, she's all like something, something cute, something adorable, and he's like, oh, this, and he transforms into the Ghostbusters logo, and then that becomes like the little ghost inside the little like circle yeah. and cross, and then brings it to life as this massive oogie boogie oh, looking. Yeah. He really does look like oogie boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> And actually, these final scenes are really short. They, yeah. He chases them around, but they they're able to trap him with the accelerators. Yeah, like the, the, the he like him doing that all of a sudden opens he opens this massive portal underneath the hotel, which you know more ghosts are spilling out of even more so now. Right, and then like, and then they're just trying to you know they're getting chased by him and all this sort of stuff, and they realize wait a minute if we put off a big enough explosion or something. In mm -hmm. the portal, it might reverse polarity and start sucking the ghost back in and enter the scene where previously Slimer had actually hijacked the Ecto-1. Yes. He yeah. shows back up. I forgot he, he he makes a cameo appearance in this movie, but he's also a catalyst for the ending. He exactly. actually has importance. Exactly. It's um, like he and female Slimer. Yes, which is gross. Of, yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> like, he, they come back and he's driving towards them and... They kind of jump out of the way. He starts to jump into the portal, and then he shoot it with the lasers, and it blows up. Portal goes backwards. Everybody starts getting sucked in, along now, with Rowan as a giant monster. Now, Rowan grabs Abby at the last minute and pulls her into, into the portal with him as he's getting sucked in. So Aaron finds a tethered hook, yep. hooks it onto herself, and dives in after her and saves her like that's that it's that's not it. a huge thing she it's it's kind saves of meant, her and it's kind of meant to be up. like kind of this reconciliation of friendship but it's right. kind of already established it's already yeah they're already friends again like so that yeah. was just the yeah beginning. they jump she jumps in she comes back they come back inexplicably with white hair because i guess that's what happens when you go to right the other side, they gotta dye it which is so, also apparently a reference to real ghostbusters again like that's apparently a reference to an episode where that happens i've only know. seen a few episodes of real ghostbusters anyway i just looked that up <laughs> um yeah that happens and clean up Everything That's, else at the end is clean up. clean up. It's like, oh, this person's here saying thank you. This the mayor's here trying to deny what everyone saw. It's just it's just wrapping up tethered. They're now established to have like government funding so they can do whatever they want. So they get the right. They get the firehouse to work in and everything. There's yes, like, yes, they move into the firehouse. That's there's right. um there's like a cameo by Sigourney Weaver playing like. Uh, Holtzman's mentor character or something. Yeah. And, like, that's pretty much it. There's a, it. I mean, there's, the a, there's also a... Uh, what was Winston's actor? It, it's Ernie, but... Yeah, yeah he, he shows up as well. References throughout this movie. Yeah, but... it's, it's nothing more. It just wraps up, and there's an end credit scene, like, teasing, oh, they're... They, like, Patty heard a tape that said Zool on it. Oh, no. Yeah. But, ba -ba -ba -bum. but yeah, that's the ba -ba -ba So, yeah. Those are the movies. Jesus. <laughs> yes. So, as we dive into actually discussing these for a brief yeah. period, uh, so what, what sort of, what did you, uh, I kind of, I, for a long time, I've been kind of down on the original. Um, like, I'd always seen it, people kept going like, oh, this is the best thing ever. It's like, I've never been a huge fan of Bill Murray in the first place. 
rewatching this, it's so charming. It's it is. So, it's it got is. so many iconic lines, mostly by Mill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, y- yes, Your Honor, this man has no dick. Right. <laughs> like that, and, like, that sort of thing. For me, Rick Moranis pulls the whole movie together. I, I really do like Rick Moranis. I wish yeah. he had, I understand why, but I wish he hadn't left Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I wish it's he fair. was. I wish he was still in stuff. Uh, but mm-hmm. but I just I just really like him as an actor and his lines in the movie. He plays off that awkwardness really well. That entire my favorite part of that entire dinner sequence or uh, party, party sequence, sequence where he's running around talking about these things is not only entirely ad libbed, but it's one continuous take. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic it's, it's that he can a... pull something like that off. It's, it's, he's just, he, he pulls the awkward character perfectly, and not like yes. and like it's just enough where it's, you get some secondhand embarrassment, but not so much as like all right, just make this character stop. Right. He's just he's also just a little bit endearing enough. Well, in the second one, they even get they give him like a bigger role. Right. He's like, you are a Ghostbuster. Yeah, he actually becomes a Ghostbuster instead of just their tax handler, which is funny because they reference it at the end of the first movie. Like, does anyone do your taxes? And then he starts <laughs> doing the taxes in the second one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the the, just, the comedy is the comedy obviously is like, with it being a comedy. It's very uh, you know it's it's got you know it's I mean as as it is with the newer one, it's very SNL pedigree right between Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. Was Bill Murray SNL? I can't remember now. He I think yeah he was okay was he? Oh I gotta look this up now. I believe he I know was, Dan Aykroyd, but uh, he was either he was either maybe Bill Murray was on SCTV. He was either part of SNL or he was. At least Dan Aykroyd. He was either part of SNL or at least hosted pretty often. Common host. Exactly. But but anyway, like there is a lot of older, like 1980s SNL um, comedy to that, which I was never really a big fan of. Like I like SNL okay, but for a lot of the recent stuff, I've kind of been just whatever about it. Well, that's everyone's sort of exactly. that's everyone's thought behind it. And then yeah, Bill Murray was on SNL. Yeah, okay, I thought, sure. I thought so. Yeah, I thought so as well. That's like early early years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, and so it's it's just this just fun little movie. There's nothing a whole lot to break down about it. There's no, nothing spectacular about the shooting style or anything other than like the you know the, the single shot party scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like. Uh, like I was saying with the single shot party scene that's ad-libbed, something I, I, yeah. I kind of knew, but I didn't entirely know until like looking it up and delving into facts on this movie. The script was a guideline. Every oh. every single scene in this movie has ad-libbed dialogue to some extent. It, the script was just something for them to follow along with, and I had I didn't know. That doesn't surprise you me with a lot of Dan Aykroyd. Like, a lot of... With, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all with Bill Murray. Right. A lot with Dan Aykroyd, he's very much got the very kind of intelligent, like very straightforward speaking tone that i figure right. a lot of lines he came up with all even just this like technical mumbo jumbo i'm sure he came up with that on the fly right well he know he knows some of that stuff some he does, of that stuff yeah. is taken from parapsychology because he even has a book on the subject yeah he like yes he's a smart he's guy. into he's into that that kind of stuff yeah, exactly supernatural um harold ramus is a joy he oh my god never once smiling he's just in that that really stoic sort of mm. i collect spores character <laughs> he's, uh, it's just he's such a good character to that and it's this entire thing there is a very brief scene where he smiles right before he eats the twinkie there's a it's more of a smirk do you think it do you think it's, it's that or do you think it's, it's like him a, opening his mouth it's he does like right before he does he has like right before he does it, he has a bit of a mm, mm-hmm. kind of like a like kind of like a sideline maybe maybe yeah maybe it's more it, of a slash of the mouth than anything maybe i didn't pick up on it that's the it's closest, more like a snarky it's less him being happy and more just like i told you it's more just his response to that's a big twinkie yeah <laughs> It, it, like that's the closest I can think of, but right. otherwise, 
completely stoked and it's amazing right draw that in comparison to the new one i'm kind of down on it i've been trying like i rewatched it i had the opposite effect like i rewatched i first time i saw it i saw it in theater and i loved the hell out of it like i loved the idea of having an all-female ghostbusters team i liked the actresses that were involved and i overlooked a lot of the issues that are very clear in it and then i rewatched it, i was like wow more than half of these jokes just just fail entirely yeah, like, it's not it's not even like okay maybe that one wasn't that funny it's like they're just like how could anyone think this was funny to begin with right that like that and that's sort of the thing is a lot of people were down on it when it was coming out yeah for like because you know just it's like oh film of ghostbusters that's stupid it's like, yeah no. and there and there were people that are like no it's because the trailer wasn't funny the yeah. trailer the trailer was not funny i'll give you that but a lot of people were down on it because it was female ghostbusters there's no denying were. that there's, yeah, like, there's evidence on the internet we like, can try to we can try to be kind of non-biased about it but to be non-biased yeah. about it would be ignoring a huge part of the, right. the critical acclaim if you were down on it personally that doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't like female yeah. ghostbusters maybe you saw the trailer and didn't think it was funny that's valid yeah. but there was a lot of hate for that and and i don't watching the movie i don't Mm-hmm. I don't go into it hating female ghostbusters, but I don't go into it loving it either. It's just a thing that's there. It doesn't really influence yeah. my opinion at all. It's like I, it's cool in in and of itself, but it it plays it pretty non-affecting. Like there's a couple scenes where it's like uh, gender affects it a little bit, but I figured yeah. there'd be a bit more political slant to it. But there well, really there's one gro- there's one joke that was kind of grossing me out that I didn't remember from the first time around, where they they go to Aaron into going over to the 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 sound wave the recording and it's a fart and i was like oh really a fart that's gross and then she's like what if i told you it came from the front and i was like well that's even more gross yeah both of those are equally gross but them stacked on top of each other why is this in the movie exactly it's just like you know it's just it kind of just doesn't really add anything it does not it doesn't that being that being said they're still fine there are like the entire cast of the first of 1984 Ghostbusters, I I love all of them. They're so good. They're, the chemistry between them is just they, the way they play off each other is perfect. Even Winston, who a lot of people are down on, just because like he doesn't have a huge role, but which is unfortunate. Still. He was supposed to ha- he was supposed to have a bigger role, but that was also when it was supposed to be played by Eddie Murphy, yeah, exactly. and then Eddie Murphy backed out. Yeah, but uh, with the, with the newer with the newer Ghostbusters, there are some characters that I really like because I really like their actresses. Melissa McCarthy, mm-hmm. as I've, I've told various people, is like my favorite actor or actress from this most recent millennium. She, yeah. I think she's hilarious in everything she's in. Even if the movie's not funny, mm-hmm. I think she's funny as a character. Bridesmaids? I hate that movie. But yeah. every scene that Melissa McCarthy is in, I'm just like <laughs> entranced. Exactly. I, I, I love her. I really do. It's just but like, uh, <laughs> they just don't play off each other. It's like they're good, kind of like they have occasionally. Like each one has cool, like funny individual lines. But when you try to put them in a team, it's like it feels more awkward, right? Well, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, those two, I think, I think in the movie, at they least play in my opinion, they play off each other really well. A scene, I as soon as it started, I was like, really, this is hackneyed. Is when they're at the police investigation after Bill Murray was thrown out of the window. Yeah, and he's like. A ghost did it. So, like, Patrick Swayze, make it pop. And I'm like, really? But then Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy and pull it through because they just start talking to each other about Keanu Reeves or Patrick Swayze movies. And I was like, yeah. this is 
See, that's point? good. That's like a lot of I don't know. That's but that's then, interesting dialogue, and well, they, it goes on so long exactly. that it becomes funny. But there's kind of but like I, I have a kind of an opposite effect with that. At least in several that scene in particular, that was very funny. I love that. Yeah. But there's just other motion moments with that that happens, like when they first get to the rock concert and they're about to go in, and they both say it at the, like let's let's do this at the same time, and they but they kind of like are like oh I'm sorry like it just kind of feels say it. it's like were you gonna say it? do you want to say right it? that is a little forced comedy it's, a, it's it's supposed to be a subversion type of comedy exactly like, but well, the way it was played off it was kind of like just kind of falls flat also there was a couple in the background staring at the camera and I wish that someone had gone over and they're like can you can you like move out of the yeah. shot they're just smiling at the camera like. Did no weird. one see this in testing and be like, we either got to do this again or we got to make that couple move? That bothered me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like that was a little detailed. But then, and then, and then another one, the biggest one for me was when they're at the mayor's office and there's whole, like this whole thing. Oh, so they're telling us, <laughs> so they're telling us the cat's out of the bag. It's like, but what if we try to put the cat back into the bag? And there's this whole like People have tried 30, before to put the cat back in the bag, like this, but the cat always breaks out of the bag again. Exactly. It's like there's this 30 to 45 second exchange between you know, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, and it's just not funny. Like, I look at it every well, time. It's I'm not just... just them, either. It's everyone. They're, the mayor's uh, and I know security it's... guards, his his councilwoman, they're all in on it. And I, I understand it, but, like, at the same time, it's like, why? You could have had a funny exchange, but you have this awkward thing that's just kind of like, all right, whatever. Right. It's like, these characters are meant to be, you know, the kind of medium by which the audience experiences it it's like it's like it's my problem with seth MacFarlane characters where they're like they're building up to this kind of more dramatic scene or anything but then it just kind of gets cut short and the main character's like oh okay that's anticlimactic then the the audience is going to be like that as well well family Similar guy situation. was family guy was sort of a pioneer of jokes that do not end either like exactly my, like, like the one that sticks in my mind is the one where Peter's trying to get a dead frog out of one of his kids' room, and he keeps yeah. scooping it, and it keeps falling against the window, and it goes on for, like, a minute and a half. Yeah. So, I, uh, there's a period, I think there's a period of time in joke-telling where it can go on for just long enough to be funny. Like, yeah. it can start out not funny, it's long enough to be funny, and then once it goes past that point, then it's not funny anymore. And that doesn't always apply. Yeah, I think if, but, the, if the people doing it are good enough at delivery and funny enough, you can do that for a long friggin' time. Well, you have to vamp on it a little bit as well. Exactly. Because, like, it wasn't, like, the scene I was talking about with the, the Patrick Swayze movies scene. Well, yeah, because that's it a, wasn't even, a specific situation. It's like, right. It wasn't, <laughs> it's them, so funny. it wasn't even just them being like, Roadhouse. Oh, I like Roadhouse. Do you like Roadhouse? I like Roadhouse. Roadhouse was a good movie. No, yeah. they keep vamping on this scenario, drawing it out, <laughs> actually adding dialogue on it. And the best part is right when it cuts back to the cop, as he's about to be like, look. <laughs> we're gonna arrest you or something like that you can hear melissa mccarthy in the background go yeah the ghost from point break it's like what <laughs> and, and that's yeah, funny you like so barely funny. hear it yeah I... <laughs> something like that is yeah that's that's i don't know that's good humor all the scenes some mm. people were actually down on this in their reviews of the movie they were like these are pointless they shouldn't be in there i, mean, I think so the funny I. <laughs> I think the fun. I think oh, some yeah. of the funniest scenes in the movie are the delivery scenes with Melissa McCarthy and the delivery boy. I don't huh. know his name, where he's like, "What? What is this? This looks like dishwater." And there's one shrimp in there. And I think a water. I that was kind of funny. Those yeah. really specific scenes where it's like, like the one that plays during, uh, right before the credits, or like it's in the middle. It's kind of, of, it's the kind of in the middle of like the yeah, like the temple credits, where he's like, "I know what you did. Thanks." And he gives her the thing, and she's like. 
It's what just, is this? There's no soup in here. It's just, it's just wontons. It's just like a little bit of soup. And she's like, I just want a normal ratio of wontons to soup. That's it. <laughs> that so was, defeated. That was really good. I did like that. Melissa McCarthy needs a, like a lot of awards. She she deserves them. <laughs> she she she, she kind of pulled that movie out for what me. Are you doing? But I really was pretty down on it. Like, no, I yeah I understand. It's that. very clear who my winner is this week, obviously. But it's just yeah, it's just kind <laughs> of thinking back and forth them. between them. It's obviously, like, the effects are better. I on the on the feature right on the on the new Ghostbusters DVD, they have like a effects 30 years later and they yeah. have ivan reitman there like talking about the effects mm-hmm. he's like well obviously you know back then we couldn't do some of these things but and oh, yeah. then it pulls in paul feig and he's like but now we can have this and this and he even does this weird thing where he's like personally i'm not a fan of cgi but it lets us do some things that we could never have dreamed of doing and it's it's really weird it kind of has it, it has that very much feeling of you know, trying to kind of cover all bases is like yes. Yeah, like, I know. C- I I am with you, fans that like Frank Oz puppets. I do not like CGI, but I do like CGI. <laughs> and so he gets <laughs> but it's both sides. Money. <laughs> exactly. So it gets you both. It gets both sides of it. I don't know about that, bud. Yeah, it, it, like it did okay at the box office. Uh, I don't even know if it made its return, did it? I'm sure it did. It probably it, did. It's a comedy. Most comedies end up making their return. Especially with such a big, with a big cast to it. It was just going to yeah. make it a lot of a draw. Yeah, very few comedies are ever flops. On the subject of, on the subject of uh, effects, that was one thing I was thinking about how in the original one, I can't remember who said it in this interview, they actually made this cool point where there's a whole lot of ghosts that aren't humanoid in any way, like, like Slimer in a right. couple of cases. They actually establish, oh, a lot of these ghosts are the ghosts of aliens. Like, it's like, mm. I can't remember who specifically, it may have been the creator. It's prayer. probably Dan Aykroyd. Probably because, Dan Aykroyd. Because Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis were pulled in to, like, correct Dan Aykroyd's scripts. If yeah. you see anything about Dan Aykroyd's original scripts, they're crazy. crazy. There's yeah. hell, there's aliens, there's the future. He He's a madman. Yeah, and then I, I other him. people have to come in and fix what he did, or else he's going to ruin the ruin the, exactly. the picture company. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but, like... And so they established that in like that one interview, and I, there was a whole lot of range to the ghosts and everything in the original. Then in the new one, there's only Slimer and all the other ones, minus like the demon character. They're all humans who are related to the locations they find them in. So I thought that was kind of dull. And it was also, and even that pulling that in, they established okay, the ghosts in the original place. Oh, it's a daughter who went crazy here and killed her family. Then in the next one, it's oh. There used to be a prison near here where they electrocuted right. prisoners. Where the hell did the demon come from? Because that, that's, well, that's not what a I was, thing. That's what I was going to say. Is like, if, we're talking, if we're talking about people, the only two specific examples I can think of are the opening lady and then the jail man. There's yeah. like Puritans in the streets, and I get that. But they, they do have the Macy's parade sort of deal. They have the demon guy. Yeah. Uh, Rowan is just Rowan, but he transforms himself. Mm-hmm. So maybe that could have some bearing on it. I think, like, it establishes that Rowan, since he understands so much about the spirit world, that he has a bit more power over it. That's that's quite possible, yeah. Yeah, and, like, but that was just my biggest, one of my bigger gripes about the, you know, the creativity between the two is that the new ones, it just kind of meant, like, mostly went with dudes. <laughs> like, the few that we see. Yeah. And then, like, the one demon, which it doesn't establish, like, there's a big plot hole. It doesn't establish how this demon could have existed, because... The first two, it explicitly says, oh, these guys were humans in this area that they died near here. That's why their their spirits are here. Right. And the demon's just like, oh, yeah, this happened. I'm a demon. 
I'm a demon. I'm a demon. Hear me roar. They, I think they briefly established. Okay, like on this site, there may have been like some sac. No, wait. That no. That was they that was the hotel. They, the, the hotel was like a site of sacrifice. The only the only reason the demon is there is because it's a heavy metal concert, and then Ozzy Osbourne shows up, and he's like Sharon, yeah, exactly. and then it cuts to outside. That's yeah. the only reason. Yeah, exactly. It's all a heavy metal sort of gimmick, and I I do it completely understand that. Yeah, I would it... like to talk about really quickly. <laughs> Something that was strange with the special effects. Three uh-huh. D's big nowadays. Was this movie in three D in some theaters? Yes, I saw it the first time I saw it. It was in three. You saw it in three D. Okay, yeah. because I was watching the widescreen version on the DVD, and it's weird because it's boxed. Uh-huh. But you can tell when effects are three D because they break through the box, and I'm like, whoa! Like yeah. the go, like when the electrico starts shooting lightning, it breaks through the box, and it's like whenever you read a comic panel and characters stretch across the panels. It was so freaky. Yeah, I've never I, like I've seen movies was, that were in 3D on DVD, and they've never done that. It was strange. was the was the was the wide box was that consistent through the whole movie? Yes. In the 3D version in theaters, it wasn't really. It would sometimes be there and sometimes not. For it like, was there the entire time, and that's why I was able to tell when the when the 3D segments happened it, because they would break yeah, into the exactly. black lines. So that like so that was very. They were like added after. It may have just been the theater that I was at that they did that for some reason, or with the way the film on the 3D film did it. It kept a widescreen to keep it more right in your face sort of thing, and to kind of give the illusion of it's coming at you. So they'd add the letterbox. Maybe that was to, maybe that was to tell the audience when to put on their 3D. 3D glasses because you guys shouldn't have worn yours all the time right because no we were no we were the whole i mean we're not gonna take them on and off the entire time right but there were only like two or three instances where that happened they were big long ghost scenes but then but then it would go back to normal and i was like if this was in 3d then there's like three times 3d happens in this movie there's i mean there are bigger scenes like at the ending scene where the like the tall ghost is walking around that has a bit of yeah. depth it, it's kind of inconsequential but there are a couple scenes where it's you know, okay. Cool. I had to get that off my chest because I have never yeah. seen a, a, a 3D movie do that on DVD. It, th- it screwed with my head. I thought it was pretty. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool when I saw it, but otherwise it was kind of inconsequential. And the right. fact that it was inconsistent in the theater with the white with the wide box was just annoying and just right. unprofessional in my opinion. Now, so, yeah. if, if we talk about like just the the nature of the effects, yeah, people are down on CG a lot, and I'm one of those people, and that's only that's I mainly mean, because same. I'm a. Yeah. yeah, that's mainly in my. That's I can I can tell where mine comes from. I'm a big fan of horror movies, especially B horror movies, and yeah. a lot of them use puppets. Mm-hmm. So I think that has given me personally attachment to puppets over CGI. I mean, I have a I have a similar thing mostly because I'm a, such a huge fan of Jurassic Park. Because right. it's like you know the giant T Rex animatronic was incredible, and I still think it's one of the best effects right. in Hollywood history. But. Um, but just like and that then, being said, I think that the CG in this movie was done well. It, it was because, done really well because like, they I thought don't the original... just like they—they're not just like it's a huge monster ghost. They like contort the figures and they yeah. like when when Rowan turns into the the creepier version of the Ghostbusters logo, the the feet like flop around. It's it's like all like fabric and everything, so that's really cool. Yeah, it still it, it looks still like feels... he's basically turns into a person wearing a sheet over their head. I mean, a more cling-fitting sheet, obviously, but it's really cool. Right, because a lot of times when people do CG, it's an attempt to make it realistic. And mm-hmm. while I, I understand that these are ghosts, so but any exactly. any any semblance of realism out, is out the window, they still try to be cartoony with it, which is really nice. Yeah, and I did like that. And I think that was the main reason in the original why so many of the ghost characters weren't humanoid, because it's easier just to make a non-human puppet. Yeah. Because, like, you know, they could have tried to do some ghost thing, but that means they would have just to have... A normal person, but they have to do a visual effect on them. Right. To try to make them, like, translucent or something. Or whatever they want to do. 
And with the effects in the original one, I, I do like the puppets. I like Zool. I like Slimer. They're mm-hmm. good puppets. Yeah. However, just the... And I understand it's a, yeah. it's a, I understand it's a method of the times, but in, in the scenes, only in the scenes, when Lewis is being chased by his dog... Mm-hmm. Whenever it's flying around those oh, yeah. jittery like, it's basically just a JPEG they move across the screen. Yeah, it's it's charming to an extent, but it can it 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 probably didn't hold up a week after it was in theaters. Like, yeah, I think with remasterings, it may have like it's the same problem. With that Blade probably made it's it. the same problem with Blade Runner when they tried to remaster it. Is that it made a lot of the issues of it look more apparent. That probably made it worse. I actually have photos yeah. on my phone that I can't show you because they didn't turn out well. It was me taking a picture of the TV. And it's fine. But when <laughs> Lewis first exits the apartment building and he's running towards Central Park and the dog is chasing him, mm-hmm. I was pausing it variously because you can see the cutout frame. <laughs> it's a really small frame that the dog is on that they placed oh, over. That's amazing. They placed over the regular film and then just moved it like stop motion but on a cell and you can see the outline of the celluloid and i was like oh my lord that's awful (laughs) that is inexcusable and uh i i believe it was ivan reitman actually i read he was upset with the the one of the more recent remasterings of the film because you can see frames like that and you can see wires where you're not supposed to see wires and he was upset because it was sort of pointing out all of the effects that he used whereas he just wants it to be a whole experience where right. you don't have to notice that stuff exactly and see, he was upset about it so yeah it does make a lot of sense but the new one does really well i think with the cg like with the yeah. effects and everything it actually kind of brings me into another point i was thinking about it you know mm-hmm. i was thinking about you know gozer how it's basically it's just a person wearing a cool costume right um but it kind of made me think about it as like it kind of made me think of the subject matter of both of them very similar premise but it's kind of, I think I like the newer one's more cohesive feel. Like, because right. the original one is like, oh, there are ghosts. Now, all of a sudden, Sumerian God. It's like, the fuck? <laughs> Where did that come in. from? Like, I kept forgetting about that when I, whenever I see the movie. I never really think about it. It's like, this is a movie called Ghostbusters where their main enemy is a demonic god. Right. Like, that's not really ghosts. I mean, it has something to do with it, but no. They, but they then in the sort new of, one, yeah. They compromise a bit in the second one in Ghostbusters 2 because uh-huh. it's not a god, but it's the ghost of, like, an evil overlord that now has demon powers. Yeah, so it's like, so, which made it even worse. Maybe they were trying to, like, rectify that, exactly. maybe. But then in the new one, uh, I actually do like, it's very, co- like, they have, they establish the rules of the universe a bit better. Maybe at the expense, Maybe it's kind of the... I guess it's kind of the original Star Wars versus new Star Wars kind of debate where it's like, in the original one, they don't establish the rules of the universe. It's more of a fantasy, whereas the new one, it establishes that, oh, that takes away from the mystique and kind of cool nature of it. Kind of similar argument, but in a more positive way, where it's like, it took away from a bit of the charm, but it also made it feel like an actual film rather Mm -hmm. than a random series of events that happen to be kind of connected. Right. Whereas in this one, it's like, there's an original inciting action that directly relates to what the ending action is going to be. Whereas the original, the Ghostbusters just get into the business at the right time where it there isn't one real particular moment. That's like establishing right. the connection to Gozer. I actually thought about that when I, I, I thought about that when uh, Egon was telling Winston about the Twinkie. Yeah. I, I was like something I hadn't never thought about before. I was like, that is such a strong coincidence that just a big paranormal event is about to occur. I think the argument might be that, their inciting action is the ghost showing up at the library and that maybe because all this paranormal energy is building up that the ghost appeared more more suddenly 
But at the mm. same time, it still feels a bit shooed horn in. Yeah. It feels like they establish, like, oh, the reason all this is happening is because there's I a build that. But they don't really draw a straight line to it, so it's kind of weird. From a thematic pacing, uh, from a storytelling pacing, mm-hmm. I, I do agree with that. Yeah. For, uh, if uh, Going into thematics a little bit, I think that the, the newer one has a really big problem with pacing. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the, horrible. It's all over the place. <laughs> it's, it has, it's, the original one has SNL pedigree. The new one just feels like an feels like snl in a lot of ways if that makes if that, makes that, that sense. actually is a good analogy because there's so much there's like, so many just random scenes where just kind of like here's a scene where they're doing stuff here's a scene where they're now doing stuff <laughs> that is that is such a weird thing that yeah. it's like snl pedigree for the first one and an snl feeling for the new one because as far as i can tell there's some ad-libbing in the new one but most of it is still scripted it's very scripted and it, and it can feel scripted whereas in the original one it most of it's ad-libbed and you can't think it's you can only tell with bill murray because they're all jokes yeah besides that you can't really tell that it's ad-libbed it that's feels such so, a weird paradigm it's so it feels so natural and like there's some really good chemistry going on with the original people but then the new one it's like it just feels stilted if you put like it feels SNL, very start and stop i want to see someone take like short scenes from the new Ghostbusters and try to and turn it into an on SNL YouTube, skit put it on YouTube with like weird laughter at specific <laughs> points like oh my god that would be SNL amazing clapping like 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 just just them doing the fucking the whole scene where they're doing like they're establishing oh here's our new equipment that could be pulled straight out of an SNL thing being like the, the, a parody of like oh this is when the Ghostbusters were first trying out their stuff and it ended up terribly yeah it looks it would play off perfectly just with more of a budget and with more like crazy effects. Right. It's it's really noticeable whenever you start to think about it. It's, it's so weird. And it's like that's its biggest issue I think among okay, among several issues. That's its biggest one. That's just the pacing is weird. It just feels like a bad SNL episode that's 2 hours. Right. And that's and that's sort of a that's a weird thing is that I think that they put their humor value cuz I know we yeah. talk about humor. I think they put that into weird spots in the new one because mm-hmm. As we were talking, okay, I'm going to compare these real quick. Go ahead. The original Ghostbusters, very funny, but I never really laughed out loud. I'm sort of giggling to myself the whole time because it's yeah. consistently funny. It's mm-hmm. Things are always happening that, that you're like, that's that's funny. Yeah. The new one had a lot more, had, had more moments than the original where I actually laughed out loud. I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. But then just long periods of silence where not even cracking a smile, I'm just watching a movie. Yeah. Like the interview process with which is just the right amount of Kevin's character is stupid before it's just like full blown full blown he has a mental problem. Yeah. That the the interview made me laugh out loud. The scene with Patrick Swayze made me laugh out loud. Like the But sc- then there's a lot of real dry periods where I'm just like, yeah, that's a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. So I, I that's another bit of pacing I think with the original one that they do well is they pace their humor so it's a consistently funny movie even if Mm-hmm. it didn't make me guffaw at yeah. any point but also that's kind of like that really is kind of the biggest comparison between the two it's like the original one it's a very consistently pretty funny versus the new one's very start and stop mm-hmm. like i mean that's that goes back to it it's like it's the pedigree of snl versus being in the style of snl it's like there's a whole lot of like good talent behind snl like like even recently like john mulaney for god's sake mm. you know funny as hell guy and but yeah. if you try to do SNL episodes stretched out over a movie, it just doesn't work. It has it has it, it has, has worked in Wayne's World, and it worked in oh there was one that I had that I forgot, but um, I I mean 
I mean, I am of the mindset I don't like Blues Wayne's Brothers. World. Blues, oh yeah, Blues Brothers is good. Blues Brothers and Wayne's World. Well, you cannot like it. It's a very yeah. specific like. I like Mike Myers sometimes. Yeah, but otherwise, well, I watched that movie for Dana Carvey. <laughs> oh, I, no, de- Mr. I, de- Donut, oh, I definitely don't like Dana Carvey. Really? I really don't. I, just, I, I think he's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like that's my that's whole. I guess that's just my difference with liking films that I just I don't like Wayne. I don't like situational comedies like that where I like it to be kind of you know a little cohesive. You know, where it's more, like, with Wayne's World, it's very, like, each scene is meant to be its own thing, whereas, right. you know... Well, they have a connecting plot, well, yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's... It feels more like it's there out of necessity. Wayne's World is Austin Powers without the absurdism. There's, there's very, there's, there's See, like absurdism the... in Wayne's World, just very little of it, like, when he notices that they're in, like, a kung fu thing. I don't remember if that's the first or the second one. See, I think I actually or... do like... Austin Powers though, because I think the absurdism adds like they, it goes just crazy enough that it's like all right, it's just it's consistent now. It's consistently funny because it right. has this air, it has this overarching tone of just being like, okay, this is insane. Hmm. I like movies like that, but the ones where it tries to be both grounded and a little bit off with its like to to, to you know for the sake of comedy, I just mm-hmm. don't think it works. Whereas it, the original Ghostbusters very much it's. A little over the top at all times because the characters are just kind of funny at all times. Yeah, and the new one is just like eh, it gets moments. Right. It has moments, but otherwise it's like whatever. Also, uh, quickly before we get ourselves entirely back on track, as of this recording, uh, Vern Troyer just passed away. So got to rest. So he is now gone. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> the last real comparison that I can think of that I wanted to talk about, and we we touched on it a little bit, is. Mm-hmm. For for lack of any subtlety with it, the black character in the movie. Yes, yeah. when, I mean that's I mean that's what it is. I like I like Ernie Hudson in this mm. in in the original Ghostbusters. I like his character a lot, but I really wish there was more of him, especially now reading that he was there from the beginning and was in the entire movie until Eddie Murphy left. That p- kind of pisses me off. Yeah, I think I think Ernie Hudson kind of got shafted in that movie. He did. Just because he wasn't the big name that Eddie Murphy was. And it was and it wasn't like Ivan Reitman's fault, it wasn't Dan Aykroyd's fault. It was Columbia Pictures. Yeah. They lost a big actor so they wanted they wanted They're it to be like, changed. <laughs> and that's upset that's upsetting. I wish he had a bigger role, but I think that they the new one kind of corrects that with Leslie Jones. And oh, yeah. I Leslie Jones I think is one of my more favorite characters of the film like she's she is, pretty she's, good i don't find her very funny but i find no. her very likable she's very likable That's i, I like her as a it, character yeah. um the, the only scene i i don't really care for is she meets up with them she's like i'm gonna be with you i know the streets that i'm gonna be in your club now the first ghost event they go to she's like why'd they pull me into this why'd they and, and yeah. i found it funny but not because it was humorous i was like what are you talking about you're the one who got yourself you were so <laughs> gung-ho about this 10 seconds ago literally the previous the literal previous scene <laughs> i don't know it's not even a couple days later <laughs> i don't think right but I, th- I think they i think they sort of rectified that that was uh i don't know if it if it was just inadvertent if it was the way they were writing the script or if it was sort of a, a nod because this film is full of nods it's nothing uh, but nods so i don't know if it was that or the other but whatever whatever the case i appreciate i i like the fact that she was there the whole time rather than yeah. just another instance of a point a pointless character being there yeah he has some funny lines but he's pointless in the first movie he really yeah, he, is. he does not serve the plot at all whereas, and it's unfortunate whereas you know was it jones does yes see so yeah, i do yeah that is I do like that they did a lot of stuff to correct the issues with the original, and that's probably my biggest saving grace for the original one. I would be down on it a lot more if it was basically just 
all the problems that it has plus the problems of the original. <laughs> it's just like, you know, inconsistent, like a weird plot kind of right turn for like from ghost to God and then all this other stuff. Whereas this one has felt very consistent. It had this guy who's very into ghosts. He wants to free them because he's, you know, this basically, he's this very Reddit neckbeard type. Fool. <laughs> he is. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I enjoy you know, that. I'm, I, don't, I don't care about ostracizing our, our Reddit fan base. Fan base? I mean, if we have that. Uh, yeah, I... I like him all right as a character. He, he mm. I know his whole point is to be weird and creepy, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. Exactly. That's, that's, that's always been my thing with, you know, people, ha like, characters who are very annoying comedic relief types. Deliberately annoying is still annoying. Yeah, exactly. Same deal with this. That's my problem with Kate McKinnon's character in the movie, is that she's yeah. crazy for the sake of crazy. And I'm like, but she's so annoying and she's so, like, crazy. Well, yeah, but she's supposed to be crazy. That doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah. It doesn't, like, that doesn't mean I wish she would talk less. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I didn't ask for her to be that. Yeah, no one asked I, for her to be that. It's just I Kate McKinnon. Any, I didn't ask for anything. I mean, I know like Kate McKinnon, but her character was hit and miss for me. Yeah. There were a couple scenes where I was like, all right, that's kind of fun. But otherwise, it's just like, eh. It kind of has the... She has the consistency of character that Egon had with his, but in a different way. Like, mm -hmm. she was consistently crazy, whereas he was consistently stoic. Yeah. Where he was still weird, but it's a, but it's kind of, you don't see a lot of characters that are both weird and also very, like, straight-spoken like he is. Well, and perhaps that's the point. Exactly. Because, yeah. because, uh, they sort of take away the Bill Murray character and mm -hmm. sort of combine some of his quirks and his joke-telling into her with that Egon aspect, and that makes her crazy. And I guess that was the point to keep her consistent. You mean Harold Ramis? You said, you said Bill Murray. They took Bill Murray and combined it with the Egon oh, character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. She's like a mixture of those two characters. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking that that was the point because they, in the background, I want to say it's a B-plot, but it's more of like a D-plot, is that <laughs> is that uh, Aaron and Abby have this problem, this falling out, and they're apparently still reconciling over it yeah. as, as the ending points to. And maybe, the, maybe when they were writing the script, since they were focusing on that, they were like, well, we need more comic relief. But she's the Egon character. Well, we'll just make her sort of Bill Murray, too, because we don't have his archetype in the film right now. Yeah. So maybe that was sort of a product of a need to... An avenue to have more of a insane aspect to the movie. Yeah. I think that... Yeah, that definitely, that definitely rings. Like, that definitely sounds like something a, a production... Like, a production would do for the sake of that. It's like, well, we need to edit this character some for the sake of... Right. A previous character that was a big draw. Like, because the big draw of the original one was Bill Murray... This one, there was no real Bill Murray character other than Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon, I think, was the biggest outspoken draw that I knew of. Like, everybody that I knew who was looking forward to the film was saying, like, oh, Kate McKinnon's going to be a character. It's going to be hilarious. Whereas, you know, Melissa McCarthy was like, people liked her, but they weren't really coming for her specifically. Right. Well, she's... So, I, I, I'm thinking that maybe Melissa McCarthy was less of a draw and Kate McKinnon was more so because yeah. uh, Melissa McCarthy isn't really SNL now. She's not SNL anymore even though she's on there occasionally. She mm -hmm. is a she's, verified film actress now. Yeah, she's she's in, doing her thing. She was in like a million movies before Ghostbusters and she'll be in a million more. And this is kind of the, like Kristen Wiig is SNL as well, right? Yeah. Okay. Because like, I don't know a whole lot that she's in so I didn't know if she was going to be a huge draw. Well, the biggest thing, yeah, the biggest thing that she was in that drew a lot of attention before uh, this was Bridesmaids. That was it. That's I was um, thinking. I was thinking. I was like, "There's something." 
And I know I've seen her face in a couple other various things. I just can't name them off the top of my head. Right. And that's and that's sort of the draw between, like, well, there's SNL actors slash actresses, and then there's people that are on SNL, like yeah. Melissa McCarthy, who, like, there's some people that'll host, like, a million times. So, yeah. so they might as well just be a part of the cast. Bring um, but you get to a point where it's like, do you associate them more with what launched their career, or are they established now? Yeah, I just, with I think it. I guess it kind of depends on how you, how you like. I guess it depends on how long you've seen them. Like if someone grew up seeing Melissa McCarthy on SNL more often, they're like, oh, that's that's what I know her for. Yeah, I saw her in Bridesmaids, and then she hosted SNL like three times. So yeah, I know that. So yeah, something like that. Yeah, whatever you want to do with it. Um, so. Yeah, I, is there anything else we want to cover? I mean... By by way of this sort of comparison? By direct comparison? Not really. We seem to have hit pretty much age or main... We age hit the actors, temple. we hit special effects, we hit thematics oh, yeah. and storytelling. I... Mm. Want to just go through all the fucking references? <laughs> Let's do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> just want to go through, go through as many references as we can think of. Oh, something I do want to talk about. Something I do want to talk about real quick before, the before that. Um... So, the original movie has the Ghostbusters theme. Yes. The new movie has three different oh, versions of the Ghostbusters theme. no, I remember that Can now. I just say, I like them all except for one. The Fallout Boy one? Yes, the Fallout it's Boy so one. It's so bad. It's so bad. And that's not a slight on Fallout Boy. Maybe it's like, just because I like I like the Parker Jr. one. But I mean, it's just so bad. Like, they're driving up to the fucking rock concert, and that's playing. I listen to it, and it's like, what the hell? What the hell am I listening to? You know what? I didn't think about that. The, the scene that followed it. I guess that's probably exactly why they did it. Because any other scene in the movie when they use that, the new go they have the orca like sort of an orchestral one. And I really like that one. Yeah, that one was really cool. It sounds neat. It feels more like dramatic. Yeah, it feels like something they would play in like a TV movie like that comes out 20 years after the TV show. They'll play a revamped... like version of the theme song to show right. that shit's getting real that, that's sort of what it felt like it's like, like you know listening to like the mario theme song back in the day versus you listening to it now nowadays it's like and now it's like but the fallout boy thing feels just about as pointless as the ensuing yeah. scene like it didn't even have the same lyrics and everything it was like a basic tune and then they had their kind of own music to it, and it just it was yeah. just bad. And and when I say that the f ensuing scene was pointless, I don't mean it didn't affect the plot. It obviously affected the plot because yeah. it, it pulls in the mayor and Bill Murray's character and everything. But the setting, the fact that it was a demon, Ozzy Osbourne's cameo, they're rocking out. The, the whole nature of it, like the backdrop to the plot there yeah. seems pointless I, I think it could have been anywhere but a rock show it did like it doesn't have to be a hotel but yeah they could have played the around with that they, a bit more that one felt very you it know it could have even been a rock show but just do it a different i mean again way. it feels like an snl bit yeah like, it's just that what if the ghostbusters were at a rock concert and our guest of the week ozzy osbourne was also there and he's like oh boss ghosts with you yeah exactly it just it feels like the like someone had a bad idea for an snl bit put some the ghostbusters in it and made it work <laughs> I'll bust the ghost of my liver. <laughs> That's more Dudley Moore. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> but yes, 
You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna double down with the bonus round. I'm gonna I had the IMDb pulled up with all really? the stupid references. Okay, I'll see how many I can name without the IMDb. Okay, um, um, but yeah, because so, there's a bunch of like really random tiny ones. Right. Yeah. So we're so, so sort of going through characters. Bill Murray we mentioned because he plays an important role. Sigourney Weaver near the end. Yeah. There's a Harold Ramis bust in Columbia. Uh, yes. Uh, Dan Aykroyd shows up in the in climax a cab, in which a cab. is a, is a, I actually kind of that was was fun because he actually described the ghosts and everything. I think that's where people try to pull it together because it's like why is this random cab driver that looks like Raymond Stance know about these types of specters and i it's think like, maybe that's where they're trying to link it together like but i think it's a he's stab- falling on hard times and he's it, a cab driver but then it doesn't deal with the fact that you know bill murray is now has a completely different name and is a debunker of ghosts and it doesn't cope with the fact that absolutely everyone has forgotten the events of ghostbusters and ghostbusters 2 if those occurred yeah. the statue of liberty walked around for christ's sake yeah like that's not something you just forget like and then it's just and, and like this is a universe where there are books of this exist. Like I'm sure people know the basic fundamentals of like ghosts and shit. And this right. random, this random cabbie might just be eccentric about ghosts. He might be like, yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> I'm a cabbie, but you don't know what I do in my spare time. <laughs> um. As in addition, uh, also Winston shows up at the very end. Like yeah. he he is the last thing you hear before the credits start. And yeah. he is Leslie Jones's uncle, who is responsible for getting them the, the hearse. hearse that they turn into the new Ecto One or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. Really okay. Really um, quick aside, one little thing I didn't notice about this in the original, all of, like the places they go to, like the firehouse and the Ecto One original, they're both like all destroyed and they have to refurbish them. In the new one, when they ever they get new stuff, it's all completely clean and they don't have to fix it. I found that weird. Yeah, they <laughs> they just sort of move in. Well, yeah. it's because they put they're putting their. They're just putting it in different places, I guess. I guess, but like it felt very weird. It's like, oh, they had this whole thing. It's like, oh, we were very cheap. We had to deal with getting a bunch of secondhand crap. Whereas the new one's like, oh, it's all incredibly brand new and sparkling. I mean, well, I right. guess that's also the case is that it, it it still was like cheap. That's it's still yeah. brand new and sparkling, which is weird for where they are. But it's yeah, the whole it's movie cheap. had a feeling. It's of, like, cheap. This because... is weirdly clean. It's cheap because it's above the Chinese store, so that's where they get that off. That They couldn't get the firehouse, though. Yeah. The firehouse didn't look disheveled either. If they had gone there, they wouldn't have had a problem. Exactly. But I, I'll stick up for the Ecto-1 just in the fact that they fixed up that new car, but this one, they, they have a storyline. It was being used by her uncle, and he shows up like trying to reclaim it at the end yeah. of the movie. He's like, I got a bunch of funerals this week. I need it. So it was supposed to be wor- working because it was in use before they had it. Fair but yeah, that was just a but the building, the building thing. Yeah, I, I that agree. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> um, also, uh, by by way of characters, there was one I was forgetting. Uh, Annie Potts, who played Janine Milnitz in the first one, she, she shows a... up as the clerk at the hotel where uh, Rowan works. Yes, and then she, she even she says, points him in the direction. Yeah, of she it, even um, says, "What do you want?" Yeah, which exactly. Is, which is supposed to be the throwback line for people. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> here, here's one in. Oh, thanks to IMDb. In some of the posters featuring Holtzman on her proton pack is the number 2206. That is the same number as Dana Barrett's apartment in Ghostbusters. In the original Ghostbusters. Really? Yep. That's, wow. That's a random one. I didn't notice that. Oh, did you catch... Oh, one I forgot. Did you catch when he releases all the ghosts, the Twinkie? The Twinkie poster? Oh, yeah. You caught that? Yeah, I did catch it. There's a, uh, there, there, I didn't notice it the first a, time I saw like, it. When he releases the ghosts and they're fighting them, there's a this like ghost advert or something that says that's it, it says that's a big, and then there's a picture of a Twinkie. And I think that's a direct line from the original one. I didn't see it when I, I didn't notice I saw that the when first, I saw the original I saw it the first time. time, and I was like, oh, that's, that's really? fun. 
like I think I had to think about it later, but I definitely saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, yeah, funny thing at, uh, at the beginning, uh, Kristen Wiig's character Aaron, uh, uh, she mentions books don't fly and neither do babies. Yep, that's that happened. The, both those things happened. The both original those things occurred. Yep. Uh, let's. See. Well, a lot of these are kind of depressing because like a lot of it's just like it's just trivia. It's like you know the movie is dedicated to Harold Ramis. It's, it's in the end. Yeah. And then it's like there's a they give credit to this like big super fan who died a year before the movie. Oh, came let's out. not talk about that. It's like Jesus Christ, IMDb. So remember, uh, of course, the Ghostbusters logo, which is this isn't even trivia. It says bro. during the, during the 1990s, Dan Aykroyd's concept for a third Ghostbusters film revolved around the Ghostbusters driving to an alternate hellish version of New York City. Columbia Pictures balked at the proposed 150 million dollar budget. Ultimately, Ghostbusters 2016 ended up with a 144 million dollar budget, although inflation means it costs less than Aykroyd's proposed sequel. What the fuck kind of trivia is that? It's amazing trivia. I, I I didn't know about the budget thing, but I did hear about his script idea on like a podcast I, mean, I yeah. listened to a while back. That's just so random. It's like, why? Like, okay. It's hilarious to hear about his shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's crazy. But yeah, while while it is a reference, but it's also, they use it as their logo, so it's in the movie, the everything with the Ghostbuster symbol, how it comes about, it's... Yeah. Inception and how it's used in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, which we mentioned, who is in the parade. Yeah. Uh, parade floats during the ghost invasion. Mm-hmm. He is there. Uh, Zool in the end credits. Yep. Uh, the fact that... Uh, the fact... The, the, what was it? Like, the, the fact of using Columbia as the, her setting in the beginning versus Columbia where they actually filmed in the original. Not to mention Columbia Pictures, which is responsible for both productions. Yep. <laughs> and it's, uh, I'm surprised they didn't have um, Rick Moranis show up. It's well, I mean, he's out he, of Hollywood. True, he, he didn't want to do it. Yeah. yeah he's, 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 that, is, that, is, that is admirable, at least. Yeah. The uh, weird thing is William Atherton is not in it. Who's that? He, he he was Walter Peck. That was it. Uh, that would have been a that would have been a fine cameo. He's yeah. still alive, and I don't think that he would had any qualms about it. I haven't read that he's like new Ghostbusters. So he may not have been approached for it. But that just seems weird. I I would have grabbed him because he was a main player in the movie. He is the catalyst for the whole thing. Where he's, he's one of the more iconic characters yeah. as well because it's like he's not a bad guy per se but he, he he does end up causing so many issues and he's such his character is so distinct he gets top billing over ernie hudson in the first yeah, okay one. yeah he, that's he a gets, good point he gets top billing over over one of the ghostbusters yeah that is some bullshit <laughs> which although to be fair he that does appear more on screen yeah yeah <laughs> i would have i would have approached him yeah oh I, like, I mean, hey athy come on movie maybe he just didn't maybe he was just like yeah i'm good <laughs> maybe he was I mean, what else is he... quite possible. I can't think of anything else he's been in for a long time. I mean, I can't either. There's, I can't think of a lot he's been in, period. I mean, How, Howard the Duck, of course. Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> of course, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, it is odd that he didn't show up, though. Yeah, I will, yeah. I will, I will say that. I think that's all, though. That's there's, for the, a, there's of... a bunch of like on IMDb. There's a whole bunch of like other like tiny things like you know the oh like they mentioned in the movie oh these proton packs are heavier than you think and it's like it's referencing to the fact that the actors complained how heavy they were yeah. during filming the original. Though Ivan Reitman wouldn't wouldn't say who complained the most. Huh. He said who complained the least was Harold Ramis, but he wouldn't he wouldn't disclose who which actor complained the most. I'd... I think it was Bill. Uh, <laughs> shit, it was gonna be Bill. <laughs> he probably didn't want to say Anyways. it on the air because Bill's an asshole. Right. 
you know, just as a person. But otherwise, yeah, I think that's that's the extent of the references. It's like the whole point of the movie is that it's meant to be nostalgic as hell, and I'm sure we're missing a couple of small ones. But otherwise, those are the big ones. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Like, And I don't want to bother going through like, oh, they used the number 1984 or something because it was the same year. It's like, I was just like, mm-hmm. shut up. So anything you want to go out on? Uh, I guess just final opinions on them. Final I, opinions. I I think I think the new one ha- does have its moments, and I mm-hmm. adore Melissa McCarthy. I have yeah. preached that enough. Yes. Uh, but the original, I, I it, it holds up well, and I still I do think it is a better overall film. Yeah. Let alone a better comedy. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be. The, I'm. I gotta agree at least with that. I've already very much established. I really. Upon rewatching the newest one, I'm just pretty down on it. Not as down as I could have been, because there is a lot to love. But the first time I saw it, I didn't have time to look at the flaws. After any subsequent viewing, I'm like, all right, no, nah, this is just kind of got some issues. The opposite effect with the original one. The first time I saw it, it was like, I don't really see the appeal of this. And as I watch it over and again and again, I just, I get more, I remember more lines. I remember right. the little detail work and everything. Just Dan Aykroyd just as a person. It's just, and I just adore it more and more every time. It's like, all right, I get it. I understand why this is such a cult classic. And not of even a cult classic, has, it's just a classic. Yeah, of course this has draw. It's Yeah, exactly. There's a reason for this. There's a reason, you know, they made, they remade it. So, yeah. I, That's I mean, the original one's, you know, clearly superior in my book. But the newer one does have a couple good moments. Yep. Otherwise, eh. <laughs> so that was uh, that was Ghostbusters. So we're going through 1984 and 2016. I'm, uh, I'm glad to go into something lighter hearted this time. Around. Yeah, a little less heavy. Yeah, uh, good old Scarface. <laughs> I mean, God bless Scarface and Blade Runner, but good lord, they were hard ones to go to slog through to begin with. So, um, of course, we'll be back at the regularly scheduled time. Yep. Wednesday, three weeks from now. Uh, next movie not to be disclosed. Though I will give a little hint a few days before. On the Twitter, go follow us on the Twitter. Hey, at, Twitter! At It Remade on Twitter. Uh, there is nothing posted as of yet. I am going to probably toy with it a little bit and get it more functioning. But it does exist. Yep. And so well, please go and follow us there. Make sure you subscribe and tell anyone else about this podcast if you think they might enjoy it. And if there's any particular remakes and everything you thought of that a lot of people might not know is a remake or that you particularly like as a remake, let us know. Let you us know. know. We'll probably do it. I mean, yeah. we're we're eager to please yeah, this we early are. on. We'll exactly. do whatever you say. <laughs> please, give us ideas. <laughs> we, we just want here to serve. We want your love. I'm staring at this sheet of like 600 remakes that I have listed and I'm like, I don't know what to do next. Exactly. So. <laughs> it's like, which one of these do people want? Who knows? <laughs> any input would be helpful. Yeah. So. That's all. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good day. Well, let's say this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychokinetic energy in the New York area. According to this morning sample, it would be a Twinkie 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. <coughs> That's a big Twinkie.